All right, what is up? What is up, everybody? Just got uh, the new episode of the Book of Us and Life of Detours podcast coming your way. Let me go ahead and crack this beer a little early today because I'm feeling it. Um, I decided to switch my little spot up. I kind of wanted to build a fire, so I'm actually doing the podcast by the fire. You can only really see that if you're on the you're watching the YouTube video of it. But it's pretty dope, just sitting by my fireplace, drinking a beer, talking to you people. So it's pretty cool, man. So let's get going with uh, the Book of Ostin, Life of Detours. Uh, getting to know Ostin, this will be part four at this point. So um, the last time that I talked to you guys, we basically made it all the way through Conway. Um Got through Logan's Wreck, um, moving to Dallas, uh, the big fire that happened whenever I first got here. Um, and then I think that's pretty much where we dropped off. So um, a lot of good stories in there. I feel like I was only able to really tell you guys half the story. And I mean, it still covered over an hour or like right around an hour. So uh, there was a lot packed into that one. But uh, there's also I mean, there's just so much more that I could always talk about on that one. Um, but just to try and get everybody through this so that we can actually get to what the podcast is originally originally supposed to be, which is the interviews with my friends, you know, and pretty much anybody that wants to do one with me, I'll sit down and talk to you and uh, just kind of go. And like I've been saying with the way that I went about writing my book is I just sat down with all my favorite people and we just kind of told our stories back and forth and uh, it made for some really good times and some really good content, man. Like what went into that book was a lot of really heartfelt stuff of like, just seeing stories from both perspectives, which is like something that not a lot of people actually get to do. I don't think like just go back and like look at the things that have happened to you in your life that involve other people and ask them how they feel about it, you know? And that was kind of the original idea behind doing the book the way that I did it. And it fucking worked out really well for me. And I think that uh, it's going to make for some really good podcast content. So I guess you guys will be the judge of that. Um, so we've got the three getting to know Ostens and I just did our first, um, Life of Detours interview with my buddy Nick Carroll. Uh, it was a really good run. Um, we did like an hour and a half, and it was just a really good time, man. Like, we got a lot of good conversation. And uh, if you want to know a little more, just go fucking uh, listen to it. It's in the same spot as where you're listening to this. So there's that. Um, before I start, I should go ahead and say another little thank you to the Anchor app, because that's where I'm getting all my shit from. Um, I can record uh, my podcast on here, and within just a few minutes, that shit's up uh, on uh, Spotify, and it's up on the Anchor app as well. Um, I go through and I put it on YouTube, so it's available in all three of those places. So uh, keep up with me, guys. If you do end up listening to it on Spotify, make sure that you follow. And same thing on Anchor, just hit that little follow button. It'll just make it a little bit easier for you to get back to it and help you keep up to date with all things that are the Book of Ostin. So, yeah. Um, I guess at this point, it is story time. So uh, let's start off after I moved to Dallas, after the big fire. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and drink some of this beer. Hold on. All right, so there's a fire. All right, there's a huge fire. Everything burnt up. No, not everything. But so me and Logan move into our new apartment. Here we find a way to get um, a little bit of furniture. We get like uh, his uh, aunt buys us a TV. Um, we end up getting like a love seat. Um, and then uh, like we still had our beds and stuff like that. So we were kind of, I mean, we had everything that we needed, but it was all like really bare bones, you know? So there was that, but that's not really the way that you want to live. So at this point we're rebuilding everything. But whenever I moved down here, I kind of did it on a whim because I was making great money over at JJ's, you know? So I had saved up all the money. I basically told Logan, like, help me with what you can, but I'm going to get us down here to Texas. And then he told me, 
if I can get us here, then his family would take care of the rest, basically. And they really did live up to that part of the agreement, man. And it's been really cool living down here with his, his family around, dude. They, uh, they actually have taken very good care of that guy and me as well, man. I really appreciate them. Um, but so uh, I didn't have a job whenever I first moved here. Uh, my first order of business was to fuck around and find a job. So uh, I started looking around. Um, nothing was really hiring for bartenders at the time. So I looked around for a good long while, dude, just kind of picked up here and there. I started working at this place called uh, Colvine over in Dallas for a second. Just uh, I actually uh, was on the there's a SI page, a service industry page for Dallas on Facebook and like they just post like if they need a fucking food runner, if they need like a drink runner for the night, or they need a bartender or whatever. And like, you can just go in and pick up shifts with these people. And so I saw on there that they needed a food runner. They were going to pay like, I don't remember. It was like maybe like 50 bucks for the night and then like a little bit of tip out. And so I was like, fuck it. I really need the money. So I went and I did that. Killed it at food running because I mean, it's a pretty fucking easy job, dude. Like um, and you don't even really have to know the food. You just have to like figure it out and take it to wherever they tell you to take it. And it's, that's all it was. So I was doing that and I was talking to them about how I bartend and they, uh, they were like, well, we need a couple of bartenders. So why don't you just come on back, um, here in a little, or, uh, like in the next couple of days and we'll get you going. And so started working there for about two weeks. Um, and then, uh, I had an interview over at this place called The Rock Wood Fire Grill in uh, Arlington. And so this is a Seattle-based company. Um, and they had kind of just started these ones over here just to kind of fucking see if they could do it, I guess. And, like, they weren't really taking care of the stores. Um, they already had their whole thing going on over in Seattle Seattle and Washington and everything like that. Um, and so uh, I walk in. It's fucking – it's dope, dude. There's, like, ACDC stuff all over the walls. There's, like, old – school rock playing over the speakers and everything everything's like rock theme there's like flames everywhere and like iron gates and shit it was really really cool dude um so i kind of fell in love with the place like straight out of the gate and uh turns out it just wasn't kind of what i thought it was um i walked in and i met this guy jordan i think he was the kitchen manager slash like agm at the time and uh we i did a little quick interview with him and he basically told me that they were looking for like a head bartender slash like bar manager kind of deal. And I told him like, I could totally pull that off for him. So takes me upstairs. I talked to you. This is the first time that I meet my buddy, Jeff, who Jeff is the fucking bee's knees, bro. Um, so that's the first time that I meet my buddy, Jeff. And, uh, he basically tells me everything. He tells me about the way that like they had kind of started these up. He came from Seattle. They sent him down here to try and revive these stores that were just falling apart. And it was just beyond, beyond his capabilities, I guess. I don't know if that's the way to say it because I don't think anybody could have saved those stores, but they got me hired on. I uh, moved down here in August, right? I started there in sometime in like, I want to say like late October, early November. And then uh, I started looking around for other jobs at the same time because I wasn't making a lot of money over there. And so um, there was this guy, Wesley, who was a friend of a friend from Conway. He was actually from Arkansas. And uh, he told me he worked at a place called Zatar down in Deep Ellum. It's a fucking Lebanese hookah bar. And uh, so he basically told me he could get me a job there. And I was like, all right, bet. Pretty much anything should be better than this, right? So I go up there, do a couple of days of training get out of training it's like my first day on the floor and uh they were just running shit stupid dude they were basically counting the amount of not by the amount of tables that you get but by the amount of people that sit in your section kind of deal so my first table was an eight top i made like 
30, 40 bucks off of it. And then everybody was getting like two or three tops at a time. And so I stood around for about two hours without a table. And I was like, uh, fuck this. And I had been talking to Wesley's boyfriend, Andres, who uh, he worked over at a place called Harlow in Deep Ellum, which was literally right around the corner, right off of Maine and Malcolm X. Fucking sick place, dude. It's like three bars in one. There's a little courtyard that runs through the middle of it. They have a restaurant style. They have a little speakeasy, and then they have the upstairs bar. So I hadn't seen it yet, but I just literally walked out that day and walked over there, and he told me that I needed to talk to a guy named Sydney. So... I uh, walk out of there, walk in, I uh, walk up to the bar, and there's this dude behind the bar, uh, his name was Billy, and uh, just, he looked, I mean, he looked cool, he was a fucking goofy looking guy, but he had like a little mustache and shit, he seemed cool, you know, but uh, he hadn't been bartending very long, apparently, but um, walk in, told him, uh, I need to talk to Sydney about a job, basically, and he was like, all right, well, let me go fucking grab him, it's like a Tuesday or Wednesday night, man, so like, they weren't super busy, but upstairs I could hear the music. You know what I mean? Like things were happening over there. So uh, Sydney comes in and I had already filled out my application and he walks in big old Thor, long haired, fucking blonde, blue eyed motherfucker, probably like 240, just just a big, beautiful man. You know what I mean? And he walks in, just fucking lights up my day, bro. Just like, hey, man, like what's going on? I hear you're uh, thinking about coming to work with us and all this stuff. And uh, he starts looking over my application and he was like, uh, so you used to work at Fridays, huh? It says you were a flair bartender over there. And I was like, yeah, dude, I can fucking, I can do all that stuff. And he was like, well, why don't you go ahead and show me? And I was like, oh, like fucking, um, like right now, dude. Um, so he was like, yeah, dude, just hop back there. And uh, Billy, find him a bottle. And uh, Billy went over, found me a couple of empty bottles. And I grabbed one and fucking, I mean, I probably hit it for like a solid like minute, minute and a half, just doing like little flips, shadow passes, stalls, all kinds of stuff for him, man. And then like, I did a really good little routine for him. And then at the very end of it, went for one more little flip, dropped it, broke the bottle, kind of looked over and he was just like, dude, I'm still impressed. Like that was really good. Um, but if we do end up having you on, that can't happen. So go ahead and lock it up basically. You know what I mean? So uh, he uh, takes me upstairs, shows me around a little bit. I meet um, a guy named Jeremy. He's uh, He's a, like a, like a tall Asian guy with so much fucking like energy charisma, bro. Like just, just a crazy dude, man. And, uh, I walk up there. Um, and the first person I see, uh, so Sydney comes up and like introduced me to Jeremy. And the first thing he says was like, Hey, who's this fucking guy? And he's like, yeah, we're just thinking about bringing him on after new year's and all this stuff. Like, uh, like he just came in to fill out an application. I'm just kind of feeling him out right now. And he just was like, hmm, all right. Yeah, whatever. Um, because that rooftop was his baby. Like he was the head bartender up there, you know? So he was kind of showing his dominance a little bit, bro. And I mean, you know, it, I could tell it was his, but so, uh, he basically shows me around a little bit and he tells me like, I can't do anything right now. Cause this was like, I want to say it was probably like the 20th of December, like right before Christmas, and like right before new year's and stuff. And like, if you ever worked at a place in like deep Ellum or any of the bigger cities, like they do not hire around that time because, like there's too much going on. They can't be training people. And so he told me like, just wait till after new year's. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get you on, man. Like just, uh, just kind of wait it out and fucking, uh, I'll get you on if I can, man. And so, uh, turns out behind the scenes, he basically walked up to his manager and was like, I'm hiring this guy. Like, if you want to do an interview with him, that's fine with me. But at this point I'm just ready to bring him on. And so he pulled my fucking application out of this stack of applications and just uh, told him like, we're hiring him. So Sydney really fucking hooked me up there, bro. Yeah, shout out to Sydney. He's like one of the coolest fucking guys ever. He is wild, but 
Very, very cool dude right there. So, onward a little bit. So, I stopped working at, um, so I'd already stopped working at The Rock because I was going to go work at Zatar. And so I basically got with Jeff and I was like, hey man, I quit this place. I'm planning on working at another place right around the corner from it. But um, they're not going to be able to get me on for a couple of weeks. Would you mind if I just come back and like bartend for you for a couple of weeks until that happens? Like I'm not coming back on permanently or anything, but um, I do need somewhere to work for a couple of weeks. And he was like, fuck yeah, dude, just come on back. And like I worked with them for a little while longer. And then uh, I went and I started working over at uh, Harlow Rooftop Bar down in Deep Ellum. It It was a crazy time, dude. So first night, basically. I'm up there uh, doing my training with Jeremy and Jeremy's kind of showing me the ropes a little bit. And like, uh, throughout the shift, like he takes a couple of shots. Uh, Sydney takes a couple of shots. He's got, you know, he's walking around with like a little bit of, uh, tequila in his Topo Chico and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like everybody's kind of drinking. And then, uh, at a certain point, Sydney kind of pulls me off to the side and he was like, Hey man, uh, do you do blow? And I was like, uh, I didn't want to lie to him because obviously it felt like a test. I was like, yeah, I mean, I've done it. Like, I don't do it often anymore, but like, I've done it before and like, I don't mind it. You know what I mean? And he was like, well, uh, pretty much if you're going to work here, like, I might recommend going ahead and starting doing that a little bit because like, these are long nights, a lot of people interactions, man. Like, things, it's going to get hard, you know? So like, you, this stuff is, you know, a little pick me up. It'll help you out. And I was like, okay, well. There's my little Wolf of Wall Street, Wall Street speech for the day. You know, that was uh, pretty crazy. And so, I mean, did a little bit with him that night, I think. And then uh, went home. Um, and then it was pretty much like that every day. So, like, you go in, taking shots a little bit throughout work, you know, just mingling with the people. And then everybody would go in the back and uh, count straws throughout the time to just kind of keep themselves awake, you know. And so... Uh, yeah, it turned into more of like a lifestyle kind of deal because like the way that it, the way that mine was working was like, so I would come in at like four. We didn't close till two, but afterwards you had to clean the bar. You had to put in all the tips, things like that. So you get up at like three, three thirty, four sometimes on certain nights. And then after that, everybody would kind of sit around and do blow and fucking drink. And so you'd end up sitting up there till about six o'clock. I don't know if this fire is fucking with you guys, but I really like it. That little crackle in the background. I hope it's not distracting though. But, uh. So pretty much I'd go in a, into work at about four or five, get off at like six in the fucking morning. Me and Sydney were like super tight. So like uh, I'd hang out with him throughout the shift. I'd hang out with him like whenever we'd close and uh, I would drive him home more often than not. And uh, so that put me getting back in Arlington, which is about 30 minutes away, just all fucking, you know, keyed up on some on some fucking white stuff and like a little bit tipsy at about like 630 or seven in the morning go to sleep, wake up about two o'clock get dressed, go straight back into work to do it all over again. So, uh, that was kind of the story for a good long while there. Or, well, I mean, not even really. So I worked, I started there in January of 2020. I think we all know what happened in March of 2020. So on March, I want to say like the, damn, that fire is really getting after it, bro. Let me hold it. Let me this a little bit. That's just a little bit too crackly for my taste there. You need to calm down, sir. Yeah, that thing is really going in there. <laughs> um, where the, where was I? Oh, okay. So we're coming up on uh, the end of days, there, bro. So, um, so it's a Friday before um, St. Patrick's Day of two thousand of twenty twenty. So people are already talking about. Um, 
they're already talking about COVID. They've been talking about it for like a month or two, you know, and like everybody's kind of getting like sketched out. Not a lot of people are coming to the bar anymore, you know, so things are slowing down for us. People are acting weird. Nobody's shaking hands, things like that. People are wearing masks and stuff sometimes. And uh, so pretty much uh, we had been, um, we'd been sponsored by Jameson for this big uh, St. Patrick's Day event, right? And so we had put up like streamers. They were supposed to drive like an old school truck with like the Jameson logo. They were going to be giving out like uh, frozen mules and stuff. And like they had given us like a shit ton of swag. I had like tons of glasses and like we all had t-shirts and fucking necklaces and like bracelets and stuff to give out. Dude, it was going to be a really, really cool time. So Saturday rolls around, worked that Saturday night, things don't really kind of go off, you know, we're really expecting Sunday to be the day, you know, and so everybody comes in for a double on Sunday, I get there like fucking like nine o'clock or something like that. So I come in at nine, um, we started getting everything set up again, you know, we got more streamers, we got like big cutouts for people to take pictures with, things like that, like we got swag all over the tables, dude, like it was gonna be epic. And so uh, we get to about like, I say like two or three o'clock, dude. And like every, like nobody's showing up. So like we're all just kind of hanging out. We got like fucking little like face tattoos of like Jameson and stuff on. Like everybody's decked out, ready to go. And like everybody had started drinking because this was basically supposed to be a big ass party. And so by about three or four, everybody's getting drunk. So nobody's really showing up. We have a couple people come through, but like, dude, it was dead. So pretty much everybody's just getting drunk for no reason um and so uh around like i think it's like six or seven sydney starts like sending some people home you know and like uh the fucking bar back joe had gotten a little too drunk fucking around got sent home um and then so basically towards the end of the night i end up being the only one closing on the rooftop and everybody else has been sent home and my bar back has been sent home because he got shit faced and was fucking around too much and so um i'm back there doing not only my cleaning duties, but everybody else's cleaning duties, including my bar back. And guess who shows up at the fucking doors, uh, screaming bloody murder, asking to be let back in, other than Joe, the fucking bar back that had been sent home because he was way too drunk to be there. Uh, so that was cool. Um, so they uh, let him back in. Right. Somebody does. I think it. Uh, somebody uh, said it was fucking Jesse, who's just a sweetheart of a guy who, you know. He just wanted to do the right thing, you know, because he's just the sweetest dude. Um, and uh, so they let him back in, and he's just walking around drunk, just fucking with everybody, dude. Like, just like, and he's like, he hadn't been drinking for a while because he's been having some lady problems or something like that. He hadn't been drinking for a couple of weeks, and he decided that day was the day to fucking just go ham. And so uh, he was just kind of standing around, and uh, we sent him off of the roof, sent him downstairs where... Uh, Mandy and Jesse were down there cleaning. Like, Mandy, she's a fucking bro, dude. Like, she's been working in uh, restaurants forever, dude. And, like, she's always, like, able to handle her shit. You know what I mean? And so he goes down there, and he starts messing with her. Like, just kind of following her around, staring at her and stuff. And so she comes back upstairs and, like, hey, I don't know what the fuck's going on with Joe. But he's making me really uncomfortable, dude. And, like, I'd really just like for him to go, you know? And so not long after – and so she get, just comes up there and starts helping me clean, basically. And so not long after that, Joe comes up there. And uh, we had told him, like, you can't come back here. Like, you can't come back behind the bar. You just have to fucking stand out there if you're going to be anywhere. And so he just fucking stands out there staring through the glass at me, like, with this mean-ass look on his face because I had told him that he couldn't come back there. And so uh, I was fucking through with it, dude. I'd been doing it all night. I was a little drunk, dude. I'd had I'd had some little, I had a little bit of blow in me, bro. I was feeling it. 
And fucking this dude is standing on the other side of glass, maybe like three feet away from me, fucking staring into me. And I fucking walked around that glass and I said, hey, motherfucker, like you have just shown your ass all day, dude. I'm back here doing your fucking job and you are back here making fucking Mandy um, feel like like feel like shit dude so like this point you better fucking get out of here or i'm at this point i'm just gonna beat your ass dude because i'm just over this shit and so he basically just fucking turns around and leaves at that point um just kind of stumbles down the fucking stairs and then uh he apparently goes back down through the speakeasy and stuff gets outside gets pissed off fucking kicks a hole in the door and shit and then fucking uh ends up leaving just acting a fucking fool bro like it was just absolutely ridiculous um so Pretty much I ended up finishing up the the duties and stuff like that. And I was pretty pissed off. So we go to leave and uh, we're walking back through the speakeasy and uh, Sydney and Mandy are with me. And we'd been upstairs. We drank a little bit just to kind of take the edge off. You know what I mean? So we're walking back through the speakeasy and uh, Sydney and Mandy go to lock all the doors. I'm in there by myself and I see this bottle and I was like, dude, you know, fuck this, dude. I'm going to take this bottle. I'm kind of feeling it, you know? So I grabbed this bottle off the shelf it wasn't anything like super special but everything back there in the speakeasy is like nice liquor so just kind of grabbed it stuck it in my fucking backpack and then uh we walk through the speakeasy to the front and uh sydney kind of stops me and he's like hey man like i really appreciate everything that you did for us today like just kind of working whenever you weren't whenever there was no one here and then like dealing with the whole joe situation all that stuff man he's like i really appreciate you and he fucking Goes back in there, grabs this really nice bottle of, I don't know, I feel like it was a Japanese whiskey or something like that. It still had like three quarters of it in there. And he goes to hand it to me and I fucking open up my backpack, got to stick it in there. And the fucking bottle that I had stuffed in my bag fucking falls out. And uh, yeah, so that looked real fucking bad. And he just kind of like looked at me and was like, fucking really, bro? And he was like, I get it. But like, not only are you screwing over the company, but you're, you kind of are screwing me over with that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, I don't care that you're like dissing the company based on that, but you weren't thinking about the fact that you're dissing me too. And I was like, ah, fuck, you know, you're right. You know, and shit. And so they didn't really get mad at me. They just made me put it back and I didn't get either one of the bottles, which kind of sucked because that one did look really fucking good. Um, and yeah, so I go home that night um, where it, that was Sunday night and then we're closed on Mondays and then it was St. Patrick's day on Tuesday. I think it was, that sounds roughly correct to me, something like that. And, uh, we get a message on Monday and they said, Hey, um, they're doing this mandate. We have to close down for the next two weeks and we'll keep you updated on whether we're going to open back up after that. But as of right now, everything's closed for the foreseeable future. So you guys are basically out of a fucking job. And so, yeah, that's whenever the quarantine started. So I uh, hadn't really saved up money for it. I mean, I didn't fucking know it was going to happen. You know what I mean? I thought that whole weekend was going to be crazy. So I thought I was going to make a bunch of money, you know, and uh, that didn't fucking happen. So I was pretty much broke whenever that happened. I had just enough probably, I think, to pay my rent for that month and like uh, pay a couple of my bills and whatnot. But as far as like if things kept going, I was going to be screwed. So after the two weeks started coming up, they were like, hey, we're not opening back up. Everybody needs to apply for unemployment. And I started trying to get a hold of the Texas Unemployment Office, um, which I applied online. But Taylor, you goober. Um, I applied online and they basically told me, like, because you just moved from Arkansas, the best way for us to help you is through the international or the interstate office. And so the only way we can help you is over the phone. So they gave me a number to call. Called them fucking millions of times, dude. I'm talking like I called them. I'd be on the on hold for like 30, 45 minutes and it would just hang up. And so... 
I did that. Like, I think there was one day where I did it like 30 times in a day where I just called, waited, hoped somebody would pick up, hung up, called it right back again. Just basically left my phone on the ring, just waiting for somebody to fucking answer the phone, dude. I'd wake up because I basically thought like if I wake up before everybody immediately call whenever they open, you know, I should be able to get through to somebody. And that didn't fucking work. So I woke up at like nine for like two weeks trying to get through to these people. And uh, after a couple of weeks, I finally got through to somebody. They started getting my stuff in motion, and it took a couple of weeks for me to get paid, right? And so the government had instituted the $600 um, stimulus on top of everybody's unemployment because everything was shut down. No one was able to work, so they were like, we're just going to hook you up, I guess, you know? And so um, whenever I finally got through, so I kind of got screwed over, but it also kind of worked out for me in the beginning because I applied like immediately after like the 20 something of March or whatever. And then a couple of weeks later, I just put in another application because I was like, they're not fucking listening. So like maybe if I throw in another one, they'll see it and they'll get me all set up, you know? And that didn't work because they basically told me we can't give you back pay because of the date on your new application is newer than we, we don't even have the old, old application. They get deleted. So the only date that we have is this new application. And so if that wasn't the case, I would have got like, you know, however much of like three or four weeks worth of waiting. And instead of that, I just got like the two weeks or whatever it was, which I mean, still ended up being like fucking $1,500, you know, which was really cool. And then from there on, I started getting like, I think it was like eight fifty a week for shit. That's uh, I finally got it in April or like right before May. And then I ended up taking unemployment until like August, dude. But I got off of that as soon as I could. But so pretty much I'm sitting around and I'm trying to figure out what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Like it was super stressful whenever I didn't have the money. Right. Um, and then once I started getting the unemployment, I was like, okay, well, this is fine. You know what I mean? But like, what the fuck do I do now? So um, I was sitting around and like, I had been talking about this book for a long time and I'd talked to Kristen about it and we had started dating at this point. I actually need to go back and talk about that a little bit, but I think I might kind of leave that more on the personal side, you know, but I'll talk about it a little bit as we go through, but uh, maybe at a certain point I'll do an interview with Kristen on here or something, but we'll just leave that kind of private for right now. But this point i'd already fallen in love with Kristen. you know what i mean and whenever quarantine happened um she was living with her parents and she worked at a place that was deemed a um what's it called a fucking um an essential business so she worked at a supplement store but they also sell groceries so they got themselves classified as a grocery store so that they could stay open during the quarantine and uh so every morning she would get up go to work at fucking like she had to be there at like nine o'clock get off at like six and she's making like fucking five hundred dollars a week bro and i'm over here making like 850 a week not doing fucking anything and uh so yeah that kind of sucked you know for her but i mean she had something to do i guess she didn't really like it but so she's working with her or she lives with her grandparents at the time so i basically tell her like she didn't feel right about going home after seeing all these people during a fucking pandemic so I told her why don't you just move in with me for the time being, we'll see how it feels, you know what I mean? And then, you know, you don't have to go see your grandparents every day after seeing all these people. And so she started staying at the house and uh, things just kind of worked out. And so she ended up just staying after that. And uh, we, so uh, to get back to the actual story there, um, I was talking to her about it and I was like, dude, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do, dude. Like I cannot just sit here, dude. Like this is driving me absolutely insane. Like, um, like I just have so much anxiety about like whenever things 
stop you know what i mean or like with the things that are going on in the world you know what i mean like i'm sitting here thinking about like basically my whole life because i'm just sitting on the fucking couch you know and so she was like uh why don't you just talk why don't you just write that book that you've been talking about you know and i'd already told her the whole rundown and everything she's like well why don't you just do that just fucking start writing this book and so i was like you know what you're fucking right actually so i sat down and uh, i think it was like uh like at the beginning of may i looked i kind of took a look at my notes over it and stuff like that and uh within two weeks i was off doing my interviews with people like i drove to uh arkansas and i started doing interviews with all my sisters and like uh yeah it uh it ended up being really good man i'm actually gonna go grab the book here in a second but we are coming up on the 30 minute mark because i think it'll kind of help me tell you guys more of the story because it was it was a fucking wild time, dude, just driving around in the middle of a fucking pandemic doing interviews with people. Um, but, I mean, I wasn't sick. Nobody that I came in contact to uh, ended up being sick. So, you know, I didn't do anything. You know, I didn't hurt anybody. Nobody got hurt. So, yeah, it was pretty chill. But um, I'm going to go ahead and stop it because we are coming up on that 30-minute mark. Everybody um, go take a pee or something like that and, you know, get some more popcorn or something or whatever you're doing. Or just keep fucking driving for Uber or doing your dishes or whatever you do while you listen to podcasts, you know? All right. Um, So I love you guys. I'll be back here in just a second. Um, So cool. All right, bye. Okay. So now we're back. Um, We just got through where uh, basically quarantine had started. And I was working, I was living off unemployment, uh, but it was substantial. It was like an 850 or something a week. And it was pretty fucking good, dude. Like, that was as much as I made at some of my better jobs, you know what I mean? So, like, I was fucking sitting pretty, and, like, we were doing all kinds of stuff, dude. So, um, I decided that I was going to start writing this book, The Book of Ostin by Brandon Mitter, out and available now on bookofostin.com and on Amazon and shit. Um, just to let you guys know, I'm going to go ahead and open it up, and I just kind of wanted to look at some of the chapters that I had done. So, uh, I think on the first round, I went around and... Uh, kind of met up with a bunch of people i wanted to get like four or five done just straight out of the gate so i went and i know i met with jordan dean there then dakota for sure i should really be looking at my notebook instead of this thing dude but i think this will still work um no i'm actually gonna get the notebook hold on this notebook this notebook right here is the notebook that i used the entire time that i was writing this book and it has a bunch of shit on it. And actually, right before I uh, started this thing, I got this fortune cookie here that said, uh, you'll be traveling and coming into a fortune. So I fucking stuck that bitch right on the front of my notebook there, which I thought was pretty fortuitous, you know, pretty dope there. And uh, on the inside here, it says my personal perspective poetry, because I had started writing like a little bit of poetry here and there, um, just kind of like thoughts, you know what I mean? Like it didn't even really rhyme most of the time and shit, but it was just kind of had like a flow to it, you know? And so my buddy Kevin basically told me like, that's what it was. Like it is poetry, but it's not any kind of a, a structure. It's your own personal perspective poetry. And so I fucking dig that. So that's what I call it now. Um, but so I got a couple in here. Um, I actually wrote one right after um, uh, quarantine started. I also wrote one about Kristen right there. Um, this one's called work, drugs, and people. This one. Okay. So the fog, that one was the one that I wrote about quarantine. All these are available on my website if you want to go read these, but the fog was the one that I wrote about, um, 
about the coronavirus basically like it's like it's fucking springtime you know what i mean it's all sunny and everything but there it just feels wrong you know like nobody's out everybody's quiet you know nobody knows what the fuck they're doing and like everything's just kind of shut down stopped and so that was just really fucking weird for me dude so all right so okay yeah yeah so these i actually put dates on this shit look at me (laughs) so jordan dean was uh he's the first chapter of the book i think actually isn't he um, so I did his interview on the 9th, so 5-9 of 20. Um, so I did his, and then right after that, I went and I saw, oh, my buddy Heath was there. So that's 5-11 of 2020. Two days later, I went ahead and did his, and then where are we at? I did my buddy Kevin on the 13th, so that's what I did. I drove to Mina, then I drove to Conway, and then I drove back through here. So I did him, and then Kevin... And then I did my buddy Jared while I was there. That's 517 of 2020. This is like a week-long trip, dude. It was fucking nuts. That fire is getting super hot, dude. I got to move some of this shit. Oh, God damn. Everybody just chill out, bro. That is just too much. See? Everybody wants to do a fucking podcast by the fire, and then it gets way too hot, and then you can't even fucking sit by it, dude. That's just not okay. Honestly, I did just throw too much wood in there. So, yeah, that's kind of on me, bro. That's why I'm so fucking sweaty, bro. Um, And also, I do get a little bit nervous while I do these, but it's okay. So, keep going on that. Uh, I ended up, I went and I saw my buddy Dakota right after that. I did my buddy Kavarin. Um, And uh, from there on, so, like, I just kept going back and forth. I went and saw my uh, Nanity and Papa Jerry up in Missouri. That was on 627 of 2020. So, that was after... We went on the uh, trip to Colorado for my birthday, which was super duper dope. So basically, me, Kristen Logan, and my buddy Kevin. Kevin drives down there um, from Conway, brings his fucking uh, new car, and we all load up. We drive over to uh, Colorado Springs first, stay a couple of days there. Um, just kind of got fucking super stoned, drove up Pikes Peak and stuff like that. And then we went and we went uh, to a little campsite. Like, on top of this mountain, dude, like, there was a fucking lake on top of this mountain that was just fucking frigid. It's the middle of the summer, but this thing is freezing because it's on the top of a mountain, you know? Um, But, so, we did that, and then we went to Denver, and Kristen had to leave after, I think we were there for, like, four days. She had to leave to go back to work on Monday, but me, Kevin, and fucking uh, Logan didn't have jobs, so we just stayed. We sent Kristen back. She flew back. Um And I drove her to the airport. It was like the day after my birthday, I think, actually. And so uh, I drove her back and uh, I drove her to the airport. And then me and Kevin and Logan stayed for a little bit. Um, And we stayed for two days. Kevin bought all the hotels, dude. It was fucking sick. It was like a really good one right outside of Denver with like a badass view of the mountains and stuff. Kevin, shout out to you for that, dude. That was super duper sick. Um, And... uh, Stayed for a couple of days, man. Uh, went just kind of back and forth from Denver. Um, and then we ended up leaving, but Kevin had to leave early. So he had to go back to Arkansas. And we had loaded everything up, and he had gotten this SUV, right? And then we had Logan's car as well. And uh, so whenever we went to leave, all we had was Logan's car. So we had all the stuff that we had loaded up in both an SUV and this fucking uh this car and we had to pack it all into logan's car and we had baylor with us my puppy dog and so we had to fucking figure all this out dude it honestly was a little bit crazy um i'm actually gonna open this door there we go that's better Ooh, little add a little chill to it bro um 
so where, what, what was i talking about oh yeah so we ended up having to drive back with this bro and uh i mean obviously we had bought some weed and shit while we were up there so we're driving back we we're taking a couple of dabs in the car and stuff but the car is so packed with things like i'm literally all the only room that i have is my seat and there's shit in my floorboard. Baylor has like a little carved out area in the back seat. Everything's packed up to the ceiling and all the way up to the windows. Like if you roll out, roll down that back window, everything's going to fall out. Um, and Logan fucking takes the driver's seat. I asked him to fucking let me drive. And he was uh, he was kind of a dick about it. But, you know, it's whatever. Um, but so uh, we're driving back and we're taking dabs on the way back. And we get back to fucking Texas finally. And uh, we get pulled over like immediately after taking a dab. I'm high as shit in the seat. And, uh, yeah, the cop didn't say anything because I guess he couldn't smell the dabs or whatever. And, like, he asked us to roll down the back window and we're like, sorry, bro, we can't. And he kind of looked in and saw the whole situation. Was like, I'm probably, he was probably just like, I'm not even going to fuck with it. And so we ended up making it back. It was a super chill time, dude. And then, uh, right after that, I immediately went back out on my, uh, on my interviews. But, um, at this point, I, like, after I did the interviews, within the next couple of weeks, I wanted to write these chapters. So, um, I did my interviews. I had already written like four of the chapters, went on my birthday trip, went and did a couple more interviews, wrote those chapters. And then at that point, I had most of the chapters written, but I had decided, like I had tried to write this whole thing as one big book. Like I wanted to go from childhood all the way through Dallas, bro. And once I started getting into it, I was like, dude, that's just not going to happen. So I kind of broke it down into, I wanted to do the book from my, like from being born, obviously, until I left for Conway. And so that's what the first book is. So it ended up just getting tied up in a nice little bow there, dude. And uh, I finished that book around, uh, I think I finished it in December or in late November of 2020. Um, got everything published uh, in December, which actually took a lot because fucking publishers apparently don't work during the holidays because they can fucking do whatever they want. <laughs> so I uh, did that, got everything published. Uh, I had been selling t-shirts and stuff kind of throughout, you know, and, uh, Right before I got everything published, I went and I did a little party in Conway talking about like I finished my book and all this stuff. And it was a really good time, dude. Sold some t-shirts there. And like basically the t-shirts basically helped me pay for the publishing and all these trips that I was going on because uh, my unemployment had run out in like August. So I went back to work and I was working over at Boomer Jacks. And so I was working a couple of days here and there over there making fairly good money. You know, it was pretty chill. And then... uh that was just kind of paying my bills, but it wasn't paying for book stuff. So I had started um, selling these t-shirts and like, dude, I mean, I, I sold, I think I sold right around like a hundred, like a little bit over a hundred of the t-shirts, dude. And then like, now I had some hats, I had masks for a little bit, dude. And like, everybody was really, really fucking cool, man. Um, all my fucking people came together and really helped me write this book, dude. And like, I even had like, I forgot to mention at the beginning, I had started to go fund me and like, I had a bunch of people go on there and like, I think I ended up getting like like six or seven hundred dollars just from people donating for me to write this book, man. Like all of the support, like there was nobody telling me like don't go for it. Like everybody was like, this is what you need to do. Like fucking do it. And if you're gonna do it, go for it full. And so that's what I did, man. I fucking went full send on this bitch, bro. And now there is a book right here sitting. I don't know where I put it, but there's a book around here somewhere that I wrote, and it's fucking sick. And I'm actually in the middle of working on the second book. Because like I said, I tried to write the whole thing as one big book and uh, it was just way too much. So I ended up having to cut it, but I had already written parts of the chapters. I had written a couple of chapters from Conway. I'd already written my buddy uh, Jared Flemons, Kaverin, Kevin. Everybody was already written. <laughs> so uh, 
yeah, I already have like half of that book written. And uh, now at this point, I've actually decided to break it up into three books. So there's that too. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty much that was like the story of like quarantine and everything. That was pretty crazy, dude. Um, yeah, whenever I have like Logan and everybody on, they'll help me remember more. But so that comes into um, everything was still kind of weird, you know, with quarantine and stuff. Like whenever I went back to work, we were still wearing masks um, whenever Boomer Jacks finally opened and stuff. And like the reason I got that job was because my buddy Jeff, um, he was the guy that hired me over at uh, at The Rock, if you remember. He got me a job um, at Boomer Jacks. He was supposed to be taking over the general manager spot and some weird shit happened there. I'm not exactly sure what all to say about that but so that was happening he got me the job there and uh basically just helped me like they gave me the flexibility to not only write my books and stuff and also make the money enough to pay my bills and shit so that was a really good opportunity for me and jeff really fucking hooked it up bro and uh yeah um so after that uh, it's really just kind of like writing as much as i can selling what t-shirts I can and shit, going to work as much as I can. And then uh, in February, let's uh, go ahead and tell this little story. So this is, I mean, I know that Kristen doesn't really like the way that I say it, but it's the acid snow angel story and I fucking love it. But so I don't know if you guys remember the freeze that happened in Texas, but uh, everybody fucking freaked out and it was fucking cool though. So it happened right around Valentine's Day. So the first night that it snowed actually was Valentine's Day. And uh, so me and Kristen, we went out to a nice little dinner and stuff. Um, and then we went home. You know, we did what you do on Valentine's Day. And then the next day we woke up and I had gotten a little bit of acid from my buddy Zach, dude. And uh, yeah, so we took the acid, me and Kristen. And uh, we go walking around the snow with Logan and uh, Baylor. And we walk down to the park, right? And like, that's whenever it really starts kind of hitting us, dude. And like, fucking like tripping, running around the snow, dude. It's fucking sick, dude. Like, it was pretty substantial snow. I mean, it was probably like, I mean, I'd say at least like a foot deep in certain places. And like, if like you hit like the right berms and stuff like that, like it had stacked up. So it was like three, four feet deep. You're able to jumping and shit, dude. It was really cool. But at a certain point, poor little Baylor's paws started freezing up. So we had to take her home. Um, and so uh, we go back to the house and we're sitting around and like, I'm tripping, Kristen's tripping, Logan gets hungry, and he's like, hey, do you guys want to go fucking get some food? And we're like, yeah, but where can we walk to that's going to be open, you know what I mean? He's like, no, it's all good, I'll fucking drive. We're like, um, okay, like, if you want to, bro, it doesn't sound like a good idea or anything, but, you know, we'll fucking hop in the back and go with you, right? So we get right around the fucking corner from the house, and some dickhead uh, fucking comes too hot around this corner, backs like hit the back end of his car comes around ever so slowly and hits the front of logan's car me and Kristen are sitting in the back everybody gets out of the car he's talking to this fucking like it's like a really like it's a tall black dude with dreads and like um he says he doesn't have his insurance he doesn't have a license or he doesn't have his license on him and he tells us that his name is john smith and so i'm sitting there i'm tripping on acid so i'm not really making any comments like i'm just kind of like huh huh like this is kind of weird bro i don't i don't know what's going on um but he tells us his name is john smith doesn't have any information gives us a phone number and everybody goes on you know their own separate directions logan tries to call that number later and it doesn't fucking work out um yeah so john smith doesn't fucking exist obviously 
and there's I don't I don't think I've ever met a black dude with the name John Smith. I mean, if you're out there and you're a black dude named John Smith, like I, I'm sorry, you can fucking email me or whatever and tell me that I'm totally wrong on this. But whenever he said that, I was like, this is kind of weird, bro. Um, but so we ended up just keeping driving because I mean there wasn't anything like immediately wrong with the car. So we ended up still going to try to get food. Um, that didn't really work out very well. But we go back to the house. And we just kind of finish our trip, you know, go back to bed. And then, uh, yeah, we spent the, the next couple of days. I mean, there was no power for a couple of days and shit like that. And, like, pretty weird time. And then a couple of months later, turns out uh, Kristen is uh, pregnant. And so we get the the conception date, and it's, like, the 14th or the 15th of fucking February, right? So little Valentine's Day acid snow angel dude yeah that's what and now we have little oceanas running around out here man and like that's my fucking girl bro and like that's just that might be the story of how she came uh came to be bro i don't know for sure but i think it's a pretty cool story um but uh yeah um i guess after that dude there's just the whole time of like once we found out that Kristen was pregnant um i basically like decided like I need to start working more. And like Kristen started working more. She started doing like a shit ton of Uber. Um, and then uh, at a certain point, my job, Boomer Jacks, um, it was in, what was it, like August or something like that. I'd worked there for almost a year whenever they told us like, we're shutting down for renovations. It's going to be like four weeks, right? Um, everybody, like they told us on a Wednesday and they were closing on a Sunday. So they were like, hey, everybody needs to find another place to work basically. And we'll help you find other boomer jacks to work at or whatever you know what i mean but on sunday you basically don't have a job so um yeah that kind of pissed me off already i'd kind of been having trouble with them anyways jeff had already quit working there but he had been talking about this place muchacho over in dallas um that was super sick like a real high-end mexican place real fucking like swanky real cool people you know what i mean and, like he was like dude i'm gonna get you on these bartenders make like 12 to 1500 dollars a week and all this stuff and like i was like all right bet dude like i'm down when as soon as you get hired bring me on dude i'm ready to go with you and uh he got me an interview with this dude named dennis dennis was fucking suave bro just super cool clean like professional but he also he cussed a little bit and you know like he had a little bit of like bro to him you know what i mean but he was the general manager of this dallas store and they were planning on opening a new one over in south lake and so uh we started i started training up there about two weeks in fucking got covid because i was working over in dallas um kristen gets covid we quarantined for two weeks um and then uh i go back to work but at that point the south lake one was opening so i go back to work and everybody's getting covid dude and so uh i come back on i have my at, at that point i feel like i'm you know you have your immunity you build up your antibodies and shit like that so i go back everything's straight um and then uh within the first couple of days so we had like two weeks to open this place the first week was like doing the hiring and stuff like that and then we had like three four days uh doing the training right and so i'm like i've trained bartenders and fucking servers plenty of times you know what i mean so i was like all right i got you and uh, I'd been working with the bar manager of who was supposed to be the bar manager of the new South Lake location. And he uh, fucking basically he tells us that he got COVID and then falls off the map for like two weeks. So Jeff was like, hey, man, this is just temporary. But can you take over this bar manager spot for me? All you have to do is kind of get this bar set up because we still didn't have like shit. 
we didn't have the liquor in. We didn't have anything like ready to go, dude. Like we were just about to open this bitch, bro. Like I had to finish the training for the bartenders, which he had done none of. He hadn't even like we'd been doing server training with the with the fucking servers the bartenders had and like doing like learning how to fucking serve tables and like learning about the food. And I'm like, that's not what we need to know. So last like two days, I just like took over, got everybody kind of ready to hop behind that bar, started doing the ordering and stuff like that. And then basically I just had to work every day, like pretty much every day, um, like continuing to train, like get everybody ready. We had a really good opening day. It was crazy. Um, I'm getting paid. I think I was getting paid like, was it 13? either 13 or 15 dollars an hour on top of my tips and like that first week we made pretty good tips you know it's a brand new place over in south lake everybody's super excited about it and so uh started working on that and then so the owners are coming in fucking every day and uh they're some sort of like middle eastern not that i mean that that has nothing to do with it but they were fucking dickheads bro they were super dicks. They had a certain way that they wanted things that just didn't work, dude. I don't know if they'd ever worked in fucking service industry before, but they had no fucking idea what they were talking about. And so they were trying to tell me how this bar needed to be ran and like what we needed to order and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, like just let me fucking do these things. And the bar manager before had told me, he basically told me like pretty much just do what they say. As soon as they leave, you can change it back to do whatever you want. Just fucking deal with them. Let them tell you all this stupid shit and then just go back and do what you were going to do anyways. And so that's kind of what I was doing for a good long while, but then they just never fucking left. So every day it was just deet, 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 like you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I'm like, dude, if you don't fucking stop and let me do my job, like I'm not going to be able to fucking do this job. So I basically told them, um, like I was a bar manager. I'd been doing it for about two, three weeks whenever uh, we found out that the old bar manager didn't even have COVID. He just fucking disappeared, basically quit on everybody. And uh, I was stuck with that bar manager job. And I was like, no, I, I told him no. So we hired a new bar manager. I basically like within a f- couple of fucking days, I just threw the reins at him and was like, hey, dude, you've done this before. I've never done it before. So you can fucking figure it out. And he hopped in, started doing it. But turns out nobody fucking liked him. He was a little, you know, a little intense. He'd been doing it for a long time. He's a real like right wing country boy. He came in wearing fucking boots and shit. You know what I mean? Real fucking clean cut white kids, you know, and fucking, uh, that's not at all what they wanted. This place was called Muchacho and, uh, the whole kitchen, like they wanted Hispanic managers and Hispanic people working there. And that's, you know, that was their choice. That's what they wanted. So whenever Jeff was hiring all these people, like he put a huge team together of basically just people that he knew Jeff had put this whole motherfucker together in like two weeks and he got it up off the ground, dude. And, uh, the whole time these fucking owners and shit are just over the top of him, just fucking bitching and bitching and bitching. And so after about a month of doing that, dude, I mean, I made okay money the first couple of weeks because I had an hourly and shit like that. But then like after that, like the money just wasn't there. So I was like, dude, fuck this. I'm going back to Boomer Jacks. Um, and I just fucking up and left, dude. And, uh, Poor Jeff ended up staying there until within like, I think it was like a week or two. They just up and fucking fired him, replaced him with the new Hispanic manager that they didn't even tell him that they were hiring. They just threw him on about a week before they fired him and then fired him, fucking promoted him and it was over with. So uh, that was in November, I think, something like that. This was right before my fucking baby was being born. And I had basically planned to work at this place and make a bunch of money and fucking save money so that I could take a couple of weeks off whenever everything went down. And so, um, uh, at the same time, okay, so I get back to Boomer Jacks. We'll just go ahead and call it that. Basically, I worked at the Grapevine for a little bit. Um, 
the grapevine location because uh i really liked bobby the guy the the general manager over there he was really fucking cool and he got me on uh, i started serving over there and they wanted to throw me some bar shifts but i just really didn't like the way that their bar was ran or the way that things were set up so i was like dude i'm sorry like i'm gonna go back to arlington he was like hey man like if that's what you need to do you know um so ocean was born on the 11th the 11 11 of 2021 pretty dope we tried to get her born at 11 11 at night but she ended up being born at about 11 30 which i mean is still pretty cool um and that was a hell of a story right there i think that's more of like a me and kristen story if i ever get her on here we'll talk about that but uh so i end up going back to work at boomer jacks and right before this my buddy nick who's a videographer had been talking about doing this um documentary over the book right and so he wanted to uh basically take the story of the heist which is what i told you guys about me and my buddies taking that money and stuff like that and he wanted to do a whole like docuseries about it so what we needed to do was we needed to take a week or so go down to mina do a bunch of interviews with everybody that was involved and everything um he had a whole team him uh his buddy matt capo who's a fucking badass uh photographer he does videography and everything he, he just knows what he's doing and his girlfriend jenny so we all load up on like the fifth or something the fifth or sixth um and uh i had gotten that time off from grapevine right and uh i go down there with them and it's like a sunday monday tuesday wednesday or something like that and so on tuesday we had done like all these interviews we went up to fort smith first did my buddy dakota's interview um, and then we stayed the night with my buddy Dexter, got way too fucking drunk, went back to Mina on Monday, still got all our work done that day, got some interviews done. And then on Tuesday, we were doing the interviews. And then that night was supposed to be my interview for the documentary. And I get a call from Kristen and she's like, hey, I don't know, like, what's going on? But, like, I feel like, I mean, I'm having a lot of cramps and stuff like that. And like, this is like, I'm talking like 30 minutes before we were about to do my interview. So I go in I'm like, Nick, like, I don't know. We might have to be fucking booking it back to Dallas right now. And he's like, okay, well. Just keep us all updated. We'll get everything ready if we need to, and we'll fucking get out of here. And uh, I called her. She called me back here a little bit later, and she's like, hey, everything's okay. I'm fine. Like, don't worry about it. Just do your stuff, and uh, just come back tomorrow when you're supposed to, and we'll fucking figure it out from there. And uh, so I do my interview, which was really cool. We get up the next day, and uh, I think we just did, like, some B-roll, like, just some video and stuff like that. Um, around the property and just got some footage basically for them to use for the documentary. And then we leave for Dallas um, kind of late. I get home at like nine or 10 and I walk in the house, go to give Kristen, Kristen a kiss and her fucking water breaks. Like as soon as I walk in the house, like she felt it. And like, I could kind of like feel her, you know what I mean? And like, at that point it's fucking like, we got to get to the fucking hospital, bro. Um, So like, I'm talking, I had just done like four days of like, we woke up at like six to eight somewhere every day, worked until like 10 o'clock at night, like walking around Mina doing fucking filming, doing all these interviews with all these people, doing all this crazy stuff for like four or five days, get home. I'm fucking tired and stuff. And actually I walk in and Kristen, like her water breaks, but she doesn't really know what it is. And so she's like, Hey, can you run to the store and grab me some depends like the diapers? And I was like, yes, I can fucking do that. I'm really tired, but I fucking got you, babe. I go do that. And she's like, Hey, like these cramps are like really getting after me, dude. And like, uh, we called the lady and she was like, Hey, like just kind of sleep through the night if you can see how you feel. And if it hasn't cleared up in the morning, give me a call and we'll fucking talk about it. So we spent like 
weird night. Kristen doesn't sleep very much. And then we wake up in the morning. She's still having these contractions. And like, I don't know if you guys know what Braxton Hicks is, but it's basically where you have like full blown contractions for an extended period of time. And then they just stop and you don't go into labor. And so we are talking like, if this is fucking Braxton Hicks after like 12 hours, bro, we're going to be pissed off. And so they just keep going through the day and we end up uh, going up to the, um, we decided to go through a birthing center, not a, uh, uh, not a hospital because Kristen doesn't really fuck with hospitals. It's not really the natural way. Like we did a couple of birthing classes and stuff like that. And it basically just showed us like hospitals don't do it the correct way. They do it a way that will get it done. And they do, I mean, babies are born in hospitals. It's fine. Um, but the whole, like, this was just a much more natural, like holistic way. And me and Kristen are really into that. Kristen is just all about it, bro. And so that's what we went with. We drove up there. Um, we got there at I want to say like 7.30 or 8. At that point, she was already at like a 4, I think is what she said, um, dilation. And so at that point, that's like, okay, we're in like full-blown labor. Like we're, you have only a couple more hours. Like you have to get to like an 8 or a 9 or something like that to actually have the baby. So we were already like halfway there. So rolls up to about like 9.30 or 10. And she's like, hey, you're at like an 8 or a 9 or whatever it is. And she's like, you're about to have this baby. So just kind of. Uh, get where you're comfortable and at this point we'd start pushing and so we have uh like we basically we just have the baby it's 11 11 about 11 30 we got there at like eight o'clock have the baby at 11 30 or so do uh like the clean like i hold her i do the uh skin to skin for about an hour while they get kristen all set up they just have to make sure like she's not bleeding over like profusely or anything like that make sure that she's straight and then do like the weighing of the baby and everything like that. You know what I mean? And then we were out of there by, I think we ended up leaving there at like three in the morning, dude. Like we were only at this place for like six or seven hours and we were home, dude. Um, I definitely recommend doing it that way if you feel comfortable. Um, but I'm not saying like, fuck a hospital. You know what I mean? We had a pretty, like almost a perfect birth, like a very healthy Kristen and a very healthy baby to be delivered. There were no like real complications. Uh, there was a little scare at the end whenever like, she was coming out and like uh, we thought she was about to like get sucked back in. So the, the lady had to kind of take over because I was going to catch the baby. But we kind of saw the baby like struggling to get out a little bit. So she kind of took over and just took her out for me basically. But I would have liked to have caught her, but it didn't really work out like that. But uh, yeah, so at this point, baby Oceana is born. Um, we're getting everything set up for that. And uh, yeah, I'm coming up on this 30 minute mark. I was really trying to get through that story. And I think I got to a fairly good. Uh, stopping point but i'm gonna go ahead and stop this recording and then i'll hop back on here and i'll tell you a little bit more and then at this point we're done with the book of Austin life of detours getting to know Austin part we're pretty much caught up to present day but i'll go ahead and uh let you guys go i'll come back in just a second and i'll tell you a little bit more okay all right everybody so we are actually just about to wrap up um the book of Austin life of detours fucking uh getting to know Austin part dude we're almost caught up here so I'm just going to go ahead and go back to, uh, we just had the baby, right? So what we were trying to do was I was going to work my ass off, make a shit ton of money, and I was going to be able to let Kristen, you know, not work for a little bit while I fucking uh, pay for everything and, like, she just figured out how to be a mom, and I should be able to take a couple of weeks off as well, you know? And uh, pretty much uh, it didn't fucking work out like that because Muchacho basically fucked me. Um, 
with the whole thing and then i ended up leaving them and then i went through a whole transition like right before the baby was born and then i was trying to do the documentary too so like there's just way too much going on but Kristen's responsible ass she had been the whole time um she had been doing uber she started working at muchacha there for a little bit making a little bit of money here and there it wasn't anything crazy you know but she had decided that she was going to take out a personal loan to kind of pay for the in-between you know um, so she was going to apply for, um, we were going to pay off her credit cards, pay off her car. We were looking at like a $15,000 loan, but we ended up kind of shaving it down, figuring out what we could and couldn't afford and stuff like that. And so we ended up going for this $5,000 loan. And then uh, she accidentally messed around and applied for two of them, got both of them. So like within like a week after the baby's born, she's got $10,000 in her account. And so we fucking decide we're just going to kind of roll with it and just, I mean, it, we make payments of like, I think our payments ended up being like 250 for one of them, like 270 for the other. So it's really nothing crazy. You know what I mean? And we still have a good bit of it left. Um, we're still kind of coasting off of it because Kristen, we just haven't figured out how to get her like back to work yet. She's been doing some Uber the last couple of weeks and stuff, but that's just because we've, we've had a little bit of help actually. So um, we're going to have to figure this thing out before too terribly long. It's kind of weird with a baby because you can't, you know, somebody has to be there all the time or you have to get a babysitter, which you have to pay for, things like that. Like, things are just fucking weird once you have a baby, whenever you're both trying to work and neither of you makes enough money for the other one not to work. So that's kind of what I'm going for. I've been looking, trying to find something where I can fucking take care of my family. You know what I mean? If anybody has any fucking ideas, just let me know. I'm kind of hoping this podcast deal will kind of hook me up and help me out here, but we'll fucking see. That's going to be something way off in the long run, which I'm definitely down with because I'm having a great time. But at a certain point, I'm going to have to, you know, knuckle up, take care of this fucking family, bro. But so uh, we end up getting that money. Um, I come back, like I, like I said, I came back from the trip um, doing the documentary. And then we had the baby. And then I just kind of like fuck off for like two weeks. I basically uh, just, I called in the day that we were going to have the baby. And I tried to call into the Grapevine location. And there's the bar manager over there. I don't particularly like him. He's kind of a... I don't know. I want to say aggressive, but also kind of like shady. So I tried to call in and he was like, basically like called in, talked to the host. She's like, Hey, he's not taking calls right now. And I was like, well, this is pretty fucking important. She's like, well, he doesn't want to talk to anybody. And I was like, all right, well, why don't you just fucking tell him that I'm about to have a baby and I'm not coming in. And so after that, I was like, you know, fuck them. And I just stayed gone for, I think I ended up staying gone for about two weeks straight before I called anybody. And then I went to the Arlington location, which is where I worked before. And I started talking to them. The whole place was rebuilt. They'd kind of gotten through some of their stuff, you know, like trying to restaff and everything like that. So I was like, all right, bet. I'm just going to go back there, hop back behind my bar that I know how to fucking work. And uh, things are going to be peachy from there, dude. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as work goes. But before that, I had, whenever I was working at Michacho, I had met a couple of people from this uh, liquor sales company. The RNDC is what they're called. Republic National Distribution Company, and they're a bunch of fucking idiots. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. But so I talked to this girl, Tori. She got me an interview to be the liquor sales rep for a spot over in Deep Ellen, right? And so I uh, went through the interview. They fucking loved me. They were like, hey, we're going to offer you the job. We're just waiting on your background check to come in. And I was supposed to start on, uh, like, I was supposed to start like right after I got back from my trip, but the background check didn't come through in time. So they were like, Hey, we'll get you started on like December 12th or something like that. And so, um, after the background check didn't come through, I was like, Hey, like, I don't think I'm fairly certain that this has fallen off my record. I went ahead and told her that, but 
there's a slight chance that there is an underage DUI on my record from what, like over five years ago. So it shouldn't be on there. But if it is, is that going to hurt my chances? And she called me right after that. And she's like, Hey, if that's on your record, there's no way we can move forward. Um, and I hope you have good luck in your future endeavors. And basically just told me to go fuck myself. And so I get my fucking background check back and it's not even on there. So I basically screwed myself out of that fucking job. Um, making it was going to be like 50,000 a year with a, with benefits and like stuff like that. So it's going to be a pretty fucking chill spot, but I kind of screwed myself out of it, I guess. But at this point, I don't even want to fucking work for these people, dude. Cause I had also gotten the number of the vice president of sales and I emailed him and I was like, Hey man, like this is the situation. It's not on my record. There's no reason for you to be able to hold this against me. Like, can I fucking come work for you guys? And he was like, well, let me get a hold of Tori and see what she says and all this stuff. And he was like, well, at this point, it's basically she doesn't feel like you were being honest in your application process. And I was like, dude, why? If something isn't supposed to be on my record, there's no reason for me to have to divulge that. Like, why are you still holding this against me? And he was like, well, it's really it's not my decision. And, all this. and I was like, dude, you're fucking pussy and a piece of shit. And Tori can go fuck herself. So, yeah, that's basically where I ended that. And uh, they actually did kind of the same thing to Jeff. Jeff had started, he wanted to start the same job, went to an interview over in Dallas, drove like 30, 45 minutes over there, um, sat down with him for like an hour. And then they were like, oh, man, we fucking love you. We'd love to have you on, but we don't have any uh, physicians available. And he was like, then why the fuck did you have me drive all the way over here, do this interview, and then you basically tell me that this is going to fucking go nowhere? So that company, I don't know what the fuck is going on with them. Uh, I really kind of hope they just crumple and somebody takes their spot because they sound like a bunch of fucking idiots to me. But I'm also biased. They kind of screwed me, but I also kind of screwed myself. I don't know how. Let me know. I don't fucking know. But so there was that. And then uh, I kind of looked at a couple of other things. Uh, there was a job working for AAA that Jeff's cousin or his nephew had gotten and he was supposed to like put in a good word for me and I don't know that he ever did or whatever the fuck. But at this point, I started my podcast. I fucking love doing it, man. I'd really like to continue to do this and I'd like to be able to get to a point where I can start making a little bit of money from it just so that I can do it more often and kind of support my family at the same time. Well, also, I mean, I, I work at Boomer Jacks. You know, I work three or four days a week. I make enough money to pay my bills and stuff, but... I want to get to where, you know, things are different. Like I'm able to actually take care of my family and stuff off of like my art and like my book and like all this stuff, you know, and like I have a lot of things going on. I still have all my t-shirts and everything available on my website. You know what I mean? I have my book is still up for sale. I have this fucking podcast going that should at a certain point, I might be able to get a couple of ads on it or whatever. And I guess there is a way for me to do like monthly subscriptions for it, but I don't really know if that I, I like that, you know what I mean? But so there are some things coming up. There's some plans in the works and stuff, but I just don't, I don't, I don't know what the future holds for me, man. I think this is going to be a big part of it and I'm very excited about it. And if you're listening to this right now, man, I fucking really appreciate you guys. And if you were part of that group that like bought my book and fucking was there and like bought the t-shirts and like was just everybody that told me to just fucking go for it, dude. Like I really, really appreciate it, man. Like that, I couldn't have done it without any of that dude like it was just it was all support all love from the very start dude and it's one of the best things i've ever done and i'm fucking i'm pretty happy honestly man like i don't make a lot of money i don't really like i mean i have a nice house and stuff like that i have a fucking beautiful baby i have a beautiful girlfriend you know and like i have the best friends in the world dude like i have everything that i need man i just don't have money so who fucking needs it i guess if that's how it's gonna be you know
But uh, at this point, I'm just kind of rambling on. But this is the end of the fucking getting to know Austin part. So I think I should probably just give you guys a little bit of fuck around. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go ahead and finish this beer. And I'm going to just talk to you guys for a little bit. Yeah. So uh, actually, I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to talk about. So I'm just going to finish this beer on camera here. I'll go ahead and chug this bitch real quick. How the fuck did I? I only drank like half this beer. I was getting pretty into the story there, though, dude. Like, I, I actually really like my story. And Kristen told me, like, she thinks it could be a fucking movie, like, with everything that's happened. Like, everything that I've told you guys is, like, roughly maybe half the story, dude. Like, there's been a lot of shit come and go. And, like, there's a lot more in the book, but even that doesn't cover half of it, dude. Like, this getting to know Ostin part has gotten, like, it's kind of skimmed over the top of everything. Like, a few stories here and there. The book dives way more into it, you know what I mean? But there's nothing that can touch seeing the whole thing and, like, living through it, man. Like, my life has been pretty fucking wild, bro. And, like, like I like to say, it's a life of detours, man. And, like, I've enjoyed my ride. Like, that's the quote is a life of detours. Enjoy your ride, bro. That's what I, that's what I like to say, dude. Like, I'm not the guy that has ever had a path that I've stuck to, but I've taken every <laughs> – available avenue that i can and it's led me to where i am today and like like the other quote is all these precisely fallen life events have made me who i am dude like i am the product of all these little detours and all these little precisely fallen events and like it's turned me into the person i am and i like me i hope you guys like me man but i also kind of don't give a shit but i fucking love you guys so i hope you like me you know but, uh, yeah, so that beer's done. I'm gonna go ahead and fucking crack this bitch. I think I still got a little bit of time. I'll go until, I'll just, I'll go until 15. We got, like, four more minutes. I don't really, I don't, I, don't, I hope I'm not bothering you. Yeah. But, uh, so what else, bro? <laughs> I really wish I could get a hold of somebody, like, call somebody right now. But that's not what this one is. We're gonna be doing the interviews next. Let's go ahead and talk about that. So, like I said, I actually have some of these interviews. Like, so the interviews that I did for my book were fucking awesome, dude. I sat down with all these people, man. And like, all it was was like, we'd sit down, we'd, you know, maybe smoke or drink or something. And basically, the only question I had to ask him was, where did we meet? How did we start? And so it was just at that point, we figure out where we met. And then it's like, at that point, just kind of follow the little trail of breadcrumbs, these little fallen, these precisely fallen life events that have led us both together through all this stuff and it's like i get to like if there was ever something like that was one thing before was like whenever i would think about things that happened in my life like i only knew my side of it and like i would think about like how does this other person feel about it it drive me fucking crazy dude i'd be like dude i feel like i hurt that person or like i feel like not everybody had a good time and like these times where i was having a good time you know and like whenever i went back and talked to these people i was able to actually see their sides of it and they were able to tell me what they felt about it or like the way that they saw it and more often than not i had fucking built it up so much in my head that like it wasn't at all what i thought it was like they were fucking cool or they had a great time you know what i mean but like i had sat there and thought thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it you know this fucking little hamster wheel in my head had been sitting there like poisoning it talking about like you are a piece of shit basically <laughs> so like that's why like once I've, after I've written this book, dude, I sleep so much better, dude. After talking to all these people and like fucking doing all these things that I've done, it's been a really good like form of therapy for me, man. Like just being able to talk to these people and fucking really feel their side of the story, dude. And like I've 
talked to, I think I've done, let's count them up real quick. I think it's like 20 interviews at least with just very important people for my life. And that's not even counting the ones that are multiple people. I did five at once with my sisters, bro. Like I've interviewed like 30 people just for the situation. And I've gotten a lot of closure and a lot of talking done and like a lot of like, just a lot of closure, bro. It's really cool. Like I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's really changed my mindset and it's, it was a lot of work, dude. And it's kind of changed me into that too. It's like before that, like I'd never taken on anything like that. And like, now that I've done that, I feel like I could probably fucking do anything. So I'll go ahead and leave you guys with this. If you have been thinking about like, if there's something bothering you in your head, and say it involves another person, or even if it doesn't, like you just need to confront that or confront that other person. Or if it's like a big task that you haven't been doing or something like that, just fucking go for it. Just do it. Try it. What's the worst thing that happens? You fucking fail. The worst thing that I see that can happen to you in this life is you die. At that point, it's over. You know what I mean? And it's like a game over. Like you don't get to play anymore. But that's the thing about it. Like I have like a big FOMO. Like I want to live as long as I can so I can do as many things as I can. You know, but all these things that you try and fail, sure, maybe you get like a little bit of like a bruised ego or like you actually do sometimes get like physically hurt or something like that. But did you fucking die, bro? Like you tried something and sometimes you had a good time. Sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you get embarrassed, but you tried it and you did the best that you could. Hopefully, hopefully I I have. That's what I've always tried to do. And I can't say that I've done it every time, but whenever I do it, it's pretty fucking rewarding. So I think that is actually what I'm going to leave you guys on. I actually did get right around that 15 minute mark that I was hoping for. I'm going to go ahead and cheers this camera right here. Got me a nice little Budweiser King of Beers. That's my daddy's beer. Fucking RIP Brandon Del Metter. Fucking the next book will be dedicated to mom. I still have to do her interview, but just keep a, a lookout for these, man. Fucking follow me. Fucking, uh, I can't do it without you guys, man. Like, this has been one of the most fun things, and it's partly because it's mostly because of you guys, man. You guys have fucking supported me so much, man. And I fucking love you guys. So, I wanted to leave you guys with that little bit of quote unquote wisdom, I guess. And I'm gonna fucking drink this beer because I'm a degenerate, and fucking, I'm gonna let you guys go, okay? Fucking love you guys for real, though. So keep up with me on Spotify, YouTube, fucking Anchor app. I'm going to have the second book coming out as soon as I'm ready to fucking get to work on that. And uh, I'll keep you guys in the loop, dude. I fucking love you guys. Bye, guys. And girls, that's a, a gender neutral term.